This is Psalms to God, Season 1, Bonus Content. You are what you eat. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com slash youarewhatyoueat. The riffraff among them had a strong craving for other food. The Israelites wept again and said, Who will feed us meat? We remember the free fish we ate in Egypt, along with the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing to look at but this manna. Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6, CSB. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. Today, we are talking about food, my favorite thing, and how that relates to your spiritual walk with Christ. So I recently went on a mission trip, and I want to talk about the mission trip in detail in a totally different episode, but when I was getting ready to go on this mission trip, about... I don't know, maybe a month or so before we were going to leave, I found out that we were not getting lunch. Y'all, y'all have no idea of all the things you could say to me. This is probably the worst thing that anyone could have ever said to me. The idea of not having lunch floored me. Lunch is my favorite time of the day. Everyone at my job knows this. A lot of my friends know this. I often refer to this when I'm talking to people. People text me at noon and they're like, what's up? And I'm like, y'all know it's my favorite time of the day. I love the lunch hour. I love the lunch meal. I live for lunch, okay? When they said we will not be eating lunch, I had to catch myself. Because it wasn't just oh, what you've paid does not include lunch. Lunch is on your own. It was, there will be no lunch. Like, we will be working at that time. There will be no lunch provided. There will be no opportunity for you to go buy lunch somewhere. And, you know, honestly speaking, if that had been told to me up front, if they had been like, hey, we're thinking about going to this country for a mission trip we're going to do all of these wonderful things but you know we're only going to eat breakfast and dinner there will be no lunch i probably would have been like oh good luck would you like a contribution i can pay i I can give you a contribution towards your trip and i probably would not have gone i probably would not have chosen to go into that situation that is how much i love lunch (laughs) but when i found this out i had already paid my money i had already like mentally prepared myself for going. I'd already put in the time to get the time off. I'd already told people. I'd already made arrangements with my dad for him to come take care of my cat during that time. I was basically fully committed to the trip at this point. 
And I had to take those three weeks to mentally prepare myself for the fact that I would not be getting lunch. And while I was there, there was a mix up with the food the first night of dinner. And we had a whole conversation about it. And I don't really want to get into what that conversation actually was. But it reminded me of this story in the Bible. It reminded me of this example in the Bible in Numbers 11 where the Israelites are in the wilderness and they're complaining about the fact that God is giving them manna. And they want to go back into bondage, into Egypt, because there they got these, you know, lavish feasts and they could eat what they wanted. They could eat what their heart desires. And a lot of times we look at how the Israelites behaved, particularly during the Exodus and during the time that they were in the wilderness, and we think it's absolutely ludicrous. How did you witness God performing all of these miracles? He's taking you out of bondage and you're just ungrateful. Like, what is wrong with you? At least he's giving you some food, right? And we don't really see how it relates to today. We don't see how it relates to you know, spiritual faith and things. But I saw in that moment exactly what the Israelites struggled with. We all are accustomed to certain things. There are certain things that we are very comfortable with and certain things that we are uncomfortable with. And I don't really know what manna tastes like. I don't know the consistency. I don't know, you know... I mean, there's a description of it in the Bible, but I don't really know what it was like. But based on the Israelites' complaints and the description in the Bible, I like to think of manna sort of like oatmeal or grits for my southern listeners. It's something that can be delicious and you can jazz it up and make it really good. But I cannot imagine eating oatmeal every day. Can you imagine having oatmeal for breakfast, lunch and dinner? all day every day for like 40 years that sounds so horrible i mean you might be able to make it so that it gives you all the nutrients you need but it just sounds like a horrible meal like of course after a day or two you'd be like i want insert whatever you want many of us live in a situation where we are privileged to be able to have what we want to eat most of the time i have definitely come home and been like i have nothing to eat i have to go buy food and what i really mean is i don't have what i want to eat there's always rice in my house there's always beans in my house there's usually pasta in my house and some sort of tomato sauce there's usually some kind of vegetable in the freezer whether it's Uh, I think right now I have corn, cauliflower, and butternut squash in the freezer. I think actually because my dad just visited, I also have like butter beans and tomatoes and things like that in the freezer as well. But what it really is is that I came home and had all of those things and I really had a craving for squash or I really had a craving for kale or something like that. And I was like, I don't have anything to eat. I'm going to go to the store and buy that. And so I did. But not everybody has that privilege. Not everybody can do that. And 
it says something about us if we cannot function in a situation where we don't have that privilege. Because what happened to the Israelites is they were in a situation where they had to lean on God. And God gave them what they needed, but not necessarily what they wanted. I love zucchini, okay? Zucchini is probably one of my favorite vegetables. I like broccoli. I'm not really a big fan of carrots or potatoes, but the nutrients that's provided may be, I'm not going to say that those particular vegetables provide the exact equivalent, but in general, there are certain vegetables that will have the equivalent nutrients that I need that I may not like as much as this other vegetable. And in good times, it's great that this other vegetable that I prefer is available. But in bad times, this will still get the job done. And maybe that's what God is giving me because I'm trusting in God and not in myself. See, the reason we have trouble with health, with diet, and all of that is because we're listening to the lusts of the flesh, the cravings of the flesh. I can't give up cheese because I just love cheese, even though it's bad for me, even though it makes my face break out. I can't stop eating this, even though it's making me fat, even though it's giving me high blood pressure, even though it's giving me you know, um, high cholesterol or, or whatever the case may be. I can't stop drinking these things, even though you know, they're, you know, the sugar is rotting my body and giving me diabetes or whatever. We don't wanna let go of these things even though it's detrimental to our health because we're listening to the lusts of the flesh. The body wants this. But we can get the nutrients we need from something else that we may not find as satisfying. And so in that, the devil knows exactly where to tempt us because the devil knows that just like the Israelites, when push comes to shove, we will choose to be in bondage to sin, which is what Egypt represented, We would choose to be in bondage to sin, to have that nice cheese pizza with the nice gooey dripping cheese and, um, you know, whatever toppings your heart desires over doing the right thing and eating a kale salad. Because that doesn't sound appealing to us. And that's the same thing the Israelites had. They would rather be in Egypt in slavery eating these foods than free and eating something that was good for them, but not necessarily as lavish or what they were used to. And I realized that our spiritual walk is intertwined with this concept because if we can't control our physical desire, like the physical desire to eat food, if I can't give up XYZ food for a week, just a week, guys, I'm not even talking about, you know, like Daniel fast 21 days. I'm not talking about, you know, Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, we're not talking about extreme fasting. We're just talking about one week of being slightly uncomfortable. If we can't do that, how in the world are we going to resist the temptations the devil gives us spiritually? How are we going to control our temper? How are we going to control our sexual desires? How are we going to control, um, you know, how we treat people? It's all related. It starts with being able to control your diet. 
And I really, I'm thankful that I, I made it, okay? I made it seven days without having lunch. And it did not kill me. It did not kill me. I don't know if I lost weight or not. I haven't stepped on a scale. I'm very much afraid of that. But, you know, just to kind of wrap up the point, um, like I said, it it's directly related to our spiritual walk. But there will come a time when those of us who stand for God will be back in the situation that the Israelites were in. When the mark of the beast is issued, it says that those who do not take the mark of the beast can neither buy nor sell. That means that you will not be able to walk into a grocery store and buy what you want. You will not be able to go to the pizza place and buy you a pizza. You're not going to be able to go to McDonald's and get a burger and fries. We will not be able to just go out and buy our heart's desire anymore. And what that's actually going to look like, I don't know. I'm not a prophet, y'all. I'm sorry. But... It could be like the Israelites where you're out in the wilderness and God is providing manna from the clouds. Or it could be more, you know, primitive where you're going back to like a farming type of a lifestyle where you have to grow your own food and eat off the land. Whatever the case may be, your diet is going to be restricted. It's going to be very much, you know, controlled by the in, by the situation. And you're not going to have that freedom to just eat lavish meals like we are now. And in that moment, I don't want to be like the Israelites. I don't want to be saying like, oh, I can't follow God because I want a pizza. You know, I'm not trying to be taking the mark of the beast and dooming myself for all eternity because I couldn't give up cheese. So I wanted to share these verses with you, this particular experience, because it reminded me that The devil is always out here trying to use what we desire to tempt us away from what God wants us to do or what God needs us to do. And I could have easily backed out of this trip and missed out on a great opportunity all over what I thought I wanted or what I thought I needed. But in the past week, without having lunch, I didn't even notice I didn't have lunch. I wasn't hungry like I thought I was. I wasn't cranky. And that's because I was relying on God. I was trusting that he had brought me there and put me in that situation. And I knew that I didn't need what I wanted. I needed what God wanted for me. And what I'm asking of you is when called, can you give up what you want to do what God needs?